you are a first-time guest, my name is Aaron, uh, lead pastor for Riverwood. And uh, If you are a first-time guest, I just want you to know that today as a church, we are coming to the end of 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something that our church has done for a number of years. This is our seventh or eighth year in a row. And... Um, this year, our theme was surrender. So uh, a number of us have been uh, using these little devotional books, some of us in paper, some of us digitally. But we've been just spending time in Scripture. And then uh, we've had a devotional written by one of the uh, members of the Riverwood family. And then uh, just a, a simple prayer at the end. Um, and, and so it seemed today on day 21, as we come to the end of it, it seemed very appropriate for me to read just a portion of today's devotional. So if you would, please listen as I read this. Welcome to the final day of our church-wide spiritual journey. We spent the first 20 days of 2024 together, surrendering our lives, our egos, our desires, our relationships, our time, our everything to God. But what should we do on this 21st day? First, we need to celebrate. If you experienced a spiritual breakthrough, or you felt a closeness to God, or you heard from God that led to changes leading to Christ's likeness, or even saw God working in the life of someone else within the Riverwood family, you need to worship God, celebrating what he did in and through you and or others. That's what we want to do today. We want to celebrate. We want to celebrate through song. We want to celebrate through scripture. We're going to celebrate through communion, but we need to celebrate. Now, I realize for some of you, these 21 days might have been hard. For some of you, it was just another thing. But some of you, you saw God work, even if it was just for one hour these past 21 days. Even if these 21 days have been actually an awful experience for you. At least you know that God sent his one and only son to die on a cross for our sins and rise again from the dead. Even if you feel like there's nothing else in life worth celebrating, you can celebrate that. So let us stand, let us sing, and let's celebrate God's work in us. Well, as I said at the very beginning of the worship gathering, as we uh, conclude these 21 days, uh, we need to celebrate. Uh, and, and hopefully for some of you, that time of song was a celebration. Maybe there's something in your heart as you just connected with God. But some of you, you need to share what you're celebrating. Uh, some of you, you need to, to put this out loud to shine a spotlight on Jesus. Uh, it, it, it isn't about you trying to get some attention for yourself. It, it's you sharing, here's what I saw God do. Now, some of you, you saw God work, and then you went through some rough things, and, and then maybe you saw God work. Others of you, you just kind of felt like things just kind of even keel. Some of you, you're like, I, I got nothing to share. Like, this was hard. This was bad. Life sucks right now. And yet, I, th I think there's probably a, a handful of you that you saw God do something in you or someone around you, even if it was just for one day. A and you need to shine a spotlight on him. And so that's why we're going to open up this microphone and uh, invite just a handful of you to come and share and engage in probably the greatest fear of most Americans, public speaking. But what's going to happen is as you shine the spotlight on God, you're going to be giving the glory to him, but you're probably also going to end up encouraging someone else because something you share is probably going to be what someone else needs to hear because it's going to give them hope. And so for the sake of our whole church family, as we conclude, 
We need to do this in celebration. Now, for those of you who are part of the Riverwood family, you know that at our annual Thanksgiving service, most every year we've had an open mic time. We're not going to go nearly that long, all right? We're going to make space for about three, maybe four minutes, all right? So I'm looking for like two, three, four, five of you to come and share, but then we'll be getting going in our sermon. So with that, I'm going to open this up for you to come and share and shine a spotlight on God and celebrate him. Is it not on? Hey, hang on. It's, it's not on. We, we turned it off. My bad. Wrong. Okay, now try it. There we go. Better? Okay. Um, so what actually happened is God revealed a lot of weaknesses to me, um, which is not always super fun, but um, he was just able to show me that in comparison, like, he is so good. He is so faithful. He worked in some ways in my life, things that I've been praying for for years, um, I'm not going to go into specifics, but um, he gave me a lot of hope that he really is working. And um, I didn't feel peaceful the whole 21 days, but I had a few moments where I felt more peace than I would have. And I think eliminating some of the distractions um, of social media and games and all the things I like to distract myself with um, allowed me to see what God was doing a little more clearly. Got to have something in both hands. I think the two hardest days I had with this was uh, surrendering my plans and surrendering my career. Um, some of you may know that, you know, I've had some really great plans over the years, and and they just haven't panned out, and and it really made me reflect a lot, and I'm grateful for it. I see. I was able to reflect and see all the people I've helped because God did not allow my plans with my or my career to go the direction I wanted it to. Um, it helped me to be surrounded by people that cared about me and were supportive of me in some of the hardest times that I've had in a long time, um, which I wouldn't have had if I would have gotten what I wanted when I wanted it. And even now, you know, when I have, I'm at a point of, you know, my greatest hope, um, you know, I still, you know, wasn't surrendering my plans and my career to God and leaving it in his hands. And so this 21 days has really helped me to realize, hey, whatever happens, whether I get the promotion, whether I get the job, whether I stay put, none of that matters. What matters is that God is in control of my life. He is the one who blazes the path forward for me wherever that path may go. And I realize that it is just, God is just so awesome and he's done so many things in my life that probably wouldn't have happened if I had gotten what I wanted. So this has been a wonderful 21 days, as challenging as it has been.
Kathleen. Um, I really saw the power of community in surrendering for this 21 days of prayer. Um, Riverwood's been doing this for eight years. And I think this year was the most impactful to me because I was surrendering alongside of my sisters in Christ. And I think all of you women in this room are beautiful and amazing. And I only got to connect with about a fifth or a fourth of you during this 21 days of prayer um, relationally. But I sent more texts to my sisters in Christ and they sent more to me in these 21 days than I have in years. And that was super, super impactful. And so I wanna encourage you guys to keep reaching out and while we all need to surrender individually to what Christ is doing in our lives. We need to do it corporately. Um, just this morning, my last text was, "Thank you." this was to me. Thank you for your prayers. They really helped remind me that God is listening to my prayers. So we need to be the body of Christ coming together um, alongside each other in our struggles and our challenges. And I just praise God that not only does he give us his Holy Spirit, he gives us each other. I thought maybe if I made the pause long and awkward enough, uh, one of you would be like, okay, fine, but I guess you're not going to do it. Uh, to, to begin this morning, uh, I read uh, a portion from today's devotional. So if you've already done it, that was a, a repeat. Those of you who are going to finish it up later today, uh, you'll, you'll hear it again. But I, I stopped uh, about halfway through. Uh, what I want to do now is I want to read the next paragraph because it, it sets up what we're going to do through our sermon so again, this is from day 21, and uh, I happen to have writ, write this one, wrote this one, so this is what I wrote. Second, in, in response to what do we do here on this 21st day, second, you need to keep going. The purpose of these 21 days wasn't to fulfill a duty or simply have a short-term spiritual experience, but to help build into you the inner posture of a Jesus follower who is humble and contrite in spirit, and trembles at his word. And that verse there recalls back the verse that begins the, the devotional. That this is what God wants for you. It, it isn't just about what he wants from you. It's that he has good things for you. He, in a sense, wants you to surrender continually. But how do we go about doing that? How do we go from these 21 days to making this a lifetime posture? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so if you brought a Bible, I invite you to open it up to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. If you did not bring a Bible, uh, we'll be having most of the scripture up on the screen today, so you can read that. Uh, but if you have a Bible on your phone, feel free to use that. Uh, we're fine with digital Bibles. Uh, or if you want, after our worship gathering, stop by our resource table and take one of the paper copies that are there. And that would just be our gift to you. Make that your Bible that you can use not just on Sundays, but any day uh, of the week. Uh, as we uh, get ready to jump into Proverbs 3, uh, I just want to uh, pray for our time together in studying and learning. Uh, so let's do that before we read. Heavenly Father, um, right now we just come before you. You have been, I believe, you have been at work in these first 20 days, and I believe you want to work today on 21. But Lord, I believe that your desire isn't just for us to have done this sort of exercise to get maybe something from it and then just get back to regular life. I, I believe that you want us to be living in these, this mode continually because I believe you have something good for us in it. Lord, it's way too often we try to do life on our own strength and we just only come to you and we maybe need a little bit of help. 
And yet you're calling us to something greater, to a deeper relationship with you, a, a closer connectivity, because you want to walk through this life with us, because I believe you can do far more in us and through us than we could ever hope or imagine. And that's why I pray, Father, you would help us to hear today your call to surrender continually and to give it all to you day in, day out, because you want to do something beautiful and powerful in us and through us. So Lord, help us to have our ears and our eyes open to what you have for us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, today, we're going to do verses 5 and 6 in chapter 3. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, though, I want to let you in on a not very well-kept secret. What we're about to read are very famous verses. Like, a number of Christians have these memorized. Uh, if you grew up in a church, maybe you had these words written to you in a graduation card. Uh, some of you, uh, you know, you, you've used these in counsel to someone, or maybe someone has shared it with you to either encourage you, or maybe you didn't know what to do or decide, and so someone is saying, hey, apply these verses to your life. I, I wanted to kind of prove to myself that this was a, a top 10 passage by going to YouTube. I just typed in, in the search field, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I wasn't, well, I was a little bit surprised. I knew there would be a bunch. I didn't expect that much. We're talking hundreds, if not thousands, of videos just about these two verses. I mean, there were, there were tons of 45-minute sermons just about these two verses. There, there were a bunch of, like, two, three, four-minute, like, devotionals uh, about these two verses. There were a gob, and gob is a very precise technical term, by the way, a gob of these like sh one minute shorts on these verses. I mean, there were, there were videos for kids, videos for adults, videos in other languages. I mean, there were even music videos that the lyrics were nothing but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's how famous this passage is. And I want you to hear these famous words now. So join me, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths this uh, past week I uh, learned about a game it's really more of a thought experiment the game is simply called the $20 auction it was invented in 1971 by an economist named Martin Schubeck, but the game really became popularized in the 90s by a Harvard professor named Max Bazerman. He teaches their MBA classes, and he would always start off his, M his very first MBA class with this game. And after I learned about the game, it was new to me. Maybe some of you have heard about this, and, and if so, just kind of play along. But it, it was new to me, and as I listened to it and learned about the game, I thought, you know what, this, this could work on Sunday. And so we're going to play. We're going to have a $20 auction. I'm going to auction off this $20 to one of you. Now, before we do it, you need to know this is just an ordinary $20 bill. Right? This is not unique. It's not rare. It's not old. I mean, it's just series 2013. Right? It's just as normal as can be. All right? So you're not bidding on something really, really special. It's just an average $20 bill. But also, for us to do this little game, we have to play by some rules. There are two rules we have to abide by, and these are absolutely non-negotiable, right? Rule number one is that all bids must be in $1 increments, right? So you can't bid $2.50. You can't bid $10.71. 
right, it's, it's $1 even increments. All, right, also, this means you cannot have your neighbor bid $5 and you decide to up them by bidding eight. No, the only appropriate bid that can follow is six, all right? Only $1 increments as we go up. Now, rule number two. One person, highest bidder, is going to win this $20 and will pay. However, the person who comes in second is going to be also be held to their bid. They're going to be required to pay. However, they're going to get nothing for it. Right? Now, you may not like that rule, and if so, don't bid. But if you bid, you're saying, okay, I agree to these terms. It's like you're signing. So if you bid, you're saying, okay, I'll be held to this. So this means that let's say our winning bid is $12, all right? So winning, winning bid, $12, they're going to get $20, $8 profit. That's a good day for them. However, whoever comes in second, bid $11, they're also going to have to pay. So I will get the $12 winning bid and the $11 second bid, and I get to walk away with $3 profit, a win for me. So two of us are going to be happy, one of you are going to be mad. What a church, huh? <laughs> so let's begin. Let's start the bidding at $1. Who would like to buy this $20 bill for $1? Anybody? Okay, I got a bid, $1 right there. Two, do I have a two? I got a two, three. Three, three, okay, four. Who wants four? Who wants four? Four, back there, five. Okay, we got a five, six, I'll go six, seven. Seven, seven, we got a seven over here. Eight, 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 nine. Who'll go nine? Nine, I mean, you're still getting a good profit. Nine, 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 nine back there, thank you. 10, who's going 10? Yes, here we go, now it gets fun. 11, who's going for 11? 11, 11, okay, 11, 12, 12, anyone going 12, right, we got back there, 13, 13, 13, no one 13, okay, I got a 13, 13, 14, 14, no, okay, 14, 15, who's going 15, 15, all right, Alex, 16, 16, okay, 16, 17, Seven, 17, 17, 17? You're on the hook for six, uh, 15 still. Got 16 back there. 17? S 17? Now, you're, you're already at my lead bid. You don't need to bid again. You're, you're at 16. If you bid yourself up, you have to pay twice, you realize. <laughs> okay. So I've got a 16. Is anyone willing to go 17? Okay, 17. All right, 18. 18. 18, okay. 19? You're on, you're on the hook for 17. 18, 19? 19. I got 19 here. You going 20? All right, we're at 20. Yes, all right. I was hoping we'd get this far. 21. Do you want 21? When you're on the hook for 19 already. All right, 21. 22. 22. All right, we got it. 22. 23? 23? 20. You're at 21. It, it, it goes to the church. Hey, let's see what we can do with this. You going 23? All right, we got 23, 24. Oh, 24. We got another bidder back in. All right, 24. 24. All right, you want to back in? No, you're out. All right, 24. 24. You want to go 20, 25? 25. 26? 26? Oh, yes, we got it. 26. Yes, all right, 27. 27? 27? 27? All right, 27. 28. We got it. 28, 29? You're done. You're done. 
All right, so we've got a winning bid at $28. So thank you very much. You will be giving 27. You will be walking away with only a, what, a $8 loss? Okay, not bad, not bad. Thank you for your donation. Now, I just want you guys to know that just as Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, I will forgive you of your debts. You do not have to pay. I didn't want to say that at the very beginning for fear that, you may, that people may participate knowing, oh, there's nothing, no, you know, I'm not off the hook, all right? So you don't have to pay, all right? If you do want to donate, yeah, just give it to the church. Now, the reason that Martin Schubert came up with that little game was he wanted to illustrate and explore a paradox that existed within this, uh, I guess, academics would call traditional rational choice theory. Basically, you saw what happened. It eventually dwindles down to two people, and they keep bidding because you realize, oh, no, we got over $20. Now I'm going to lose money no matter what. However, if I win, I end up losing less because I recoup that $20. And so you start thinking like, okay, yes, it seems ridiculous that I'm bidding $27, but that's only going to be a $7 loss for me. But then the other person is going, whoa. I, I'm going to lose 26. It'd be better for me to bid 28, and then I only have the, you know, the, the smaller loss. I recoup that $20. But then your bidding opponent has the exact same rational thought and bids above, and it keeps going. Max Bazerman says that in his class, that he often will see the bids go above $100, and the highest bid ever was 204 I have a feeling pride was involved uh, in that one. <laughs> Now, the reason I did this illustration wasn't to simply show how these rational choices lead to these irrational things. Rather, it's, I believe that our culture, our sin nature, our selfishness is often trying to tantalize us with a $20 auction. It's saying, hey, you can have this, just bid a little bit, and then the joy of this will be all yours. But what ends up happening is we end up spending way more than we were originally led to believe. Let me, let me give you an example. Our culture absolutely loves drinking alcoholic beverages. If you don't believe me, just turn on the TV and you're going to see all sorts of advertisements. If you watch playoff football today, all sorts for beer, for wine, I mean, you, you, whiskey, you know, mimosas. I mean, like, just we love to drink. Now, there are studies that show that having one or two glasses of wine a week could have some health benefits. I also have a number of friends who can have one or two beers, and they're absolutely fine. But I think we all know and even have experienced the times where we don't stop at one or two, or even three or four. We've known people who've gone to six, to ten, to more. And suddenly, that little $20 win of joy and peace and freedom and escapism, it ends up costing us way more. And I'm not just talking about what we spend at the bar or the grocery store. I, I, I mean, like, how it costs us our reputation or how it costs us our health. For some, it's cost them relationships. For some, it's cost them their conscience. For some, it's cost them their car. Others, it's cost their life or the life of someone else. And none of this surprises you. All of you know the reality of this. I don't think there's a single person sitting here going, wait, you, you mean if I drink too much and I drive, like I could wreck my car? Really? I did not know this. 
We all know this. And yet weekend after weekend, people are bidding for their $20 of freedom. And I, I could go into other examples. Between the culture and our sinful, selfish selves, our brokenness, we are bidding for that freedom to find this. And what we think is what seems rational turns out to actually be irrational. But Solomon in Proverbs 3 is calling us to something better. And he starts with the word trust. Now for some of you, you hear that word, no big deal. Because you trust. You have some people in your life that you trust. You trust people with your heart, with your, 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 your future, with your worries. And you've got people that you can share with. Some of you, it's your spouse. Some of it's a parent. Some of it's a, a really, really good friend. Someone that you've just, you've shared all sorts of junk with. And they've stuck with you. You trust. Some of you, you have been betrayed. You've been hurt. And, and so you wouldn't say you trust. You would say you have trust issues. I'm here to tell you that even if you have trust issues, you still trust. Yeah, you may not trust others because they've hurt you. You may not trust authority figures because you've known authorities who, who've been hypocrites or, or you know, been not good leaders. You may have all sorts of areas why you don't trust, but guess what you do? You trust yourself. You trust your own judgment that that person's not trustworthy. You, you trust your own decision-making because these people clearly don't know how to make the right decision. You trust, you just trust right here. We all trust. Yeah, some of us, we've got certain people we can trust. Some of us just, just trust in ourselves. Some of us, we just kind of trust the majority. We just trust our culture because you can't have that many people be that wrong, right? And so if the culture just kind of says, this is acceptable, this is the way to go, this is just what seems right, we just go with it. We just trust. Uh, others of us, we do trust authority. Because we figure, well, they must know something to have gotten to that level. And so we may as well listen to them and learn from them and trust them. We all trust. You were made to trust. But Solomon is saying, don't trust the culture. Don't trust just the government. Don't just trust the, the, the people that are closest to you, first and foremost. He's saying the first place you put your trust needs to be God. He says, trust in the Lord. But I want you to notice, he doesn't say, just trust the Lord with this area of your life. Or trust the Lord with most of your life. No, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, usually when the scripture used the word heart, it's talking about the seat of emotion. But I do not believe Solomon is simply saying, trust the Lord with all of your affections or trust the Lord with all of your fears. I, I think it's, it's more comprehensive than that. I think he's saying, trust the Lord with all of you, with all your thoughts, with all your worries, with all of your future, with all of your decisions, with all of your identity, trust him with yourself. Give it all to him. But he wants to clarify that a little bit for us. And so he gives us another phrase. 
And the second half of verse five says, and do not lean on your own understanding. My son, uh, Salem, uh, many of you know, sophomore at Iowa State. Uh, when he got to Iowa State, he uh, realized he really liked biking. He really likes running. He's like, I may as well just learn how to swim. So he joined the triathlon club. Really proud of that kid for doing it. And so he's been doing triathlons last year and, and this year, and he's going to be getting, gearing up as spring's going to be coming and, and starting again. But when he went out for cross country the first time, uh, my, my son was never varsity, never super fast, but he just has come to love the sport. And, and so he would go out and run. But in middle school, when he started, when he would run, he'd lean. He, he, he had this like, I, I, it was the weirdest thing. He just kind of over to the side as he's running along the track. And so often my cheering would sound like this. Good job, Salem. You're doing great. Stand up straight. Good going. Keep going, buddy. Good job. He, he, he's, he's fine now. Right. But, but he, he would lean. When, when Solomon says, do not lean on your own understanding, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about a little slope, a little incline. No, he's talking about like when you lean against a wall. Because you're putting all of your trust that that wall is not going to fall down. That that thing is strong enough to stand. And so you lean and put all of yourself onto it, against it. He's saying, do not lean on your own understanding. Lean on God's understanding. That is what it looks like to trust in the Lord. But for some of you, this is insulting. Because you are intelligent. You are uber-talented. You've been able to do a number of things in life and do them quite well and successfully. And so you've trusted in your own understanding. So for Solomon to say, do not lean on your own understanding, it's a little bit of an insult. And yet Solomon was called the wisest man of his day. If the wisest man in the world is saying, I know I can't even lean on my understanding and he had the greatest understanding of anyone on earth in his day, then you and I should take note and realize, okay, we, we should not be leaning on our own understanding. Because you see, your understanding, it's growing. It's changing. And, and so why try to lean against something that's constantly shifting? Your understanding of things is even affected by your emotions, or it can be affected by the people around you. Your understanding shifts it changes and so it's not as reliable as god's understanding so he's trying to protect us so you want to know what it looks like to trust in the lord with all your heart the first step is do not lean on your own understanding he goes on to continue to clarify verse six he says this looks like in all your ways acknowledge him acknowledge him the dictionary had a uh, great definition on the word uh, acknowledge. I apologize, I forgot to make a, a slide for this one. Dictionary's definition is, uh, of acknowledge is to accept or admit the existence or truth. To accept or admit the existence or truth. I, I liked that definition because it, it helps you realize that to acknowledge God, it's to accept not only that God exists, that God is real, but, but it's to admit that his knowledge is more reliable than ours. That, that he kind of probably knows better than I do because he sees it all. I only see this dinky little tiny sliver. But I think we can even make this simpler. I think we can boil this down. Take that word acknowledge and look down at the heart of it. Notice the word 
no. Basically, to acknowledge God is saying, yeah, I know God. And if you truly know God, not just know about him, but know him personally, you will know you can trust him. You'll know that his understanding is better than your understanding. You'll know that his ways are better than your ways. If you know him, you will happily and gladly acknowledge him in all your ways. Now, God telling us these things isn't doing it because he's trying to be a taskmaster. He's trying to subjugate us. He actually is doing this to benefit us. Us. And we see the benefit in the last phrase of verse 6. And he will make straight your paths. The word that gets translated straight could also be translated smooth. In Solomon's day, a smooth road was a gift. They did not have nice paved roads like us. I mean, Solomon's pre-Roman empire, and, and so he didn't even get to experience you know, their kind of roads. Most of their roads were often just worn paths where feet and, and carts and animals had traveled. That was their roads. And so it was not uncommon for a road in their day to still have like some rocks in it. Or, or there to, you know, the ground of kind of sunk in an area, and, and you end up with these dips. And, and as you're going along, your, your cart gets jostled and something falls out. Or you got to take it really slow. Or, or maybe you, you end up going over an area and it dumps your whole cart. and You got to take all this time to get it loaded back up. Or, or maybe it breaks a wheel. So if you could come to a smooth, straight road, oh, that was a gift. You were going to get there so much faster, so much better. You were going to have success. That's what Solomon's saying. This is a poetical way of saying, when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, leaning not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, he will make your life smoother and easier. But do not mishear that. It does not mean, well, if I just give my life to God, all my problems will go away. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, uh, Jesus uh, uses a little illustration. He says this to his, his listeners. He says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, a yoke in Jesus' day was a farm instrument used to, to bring two cattle, uh, cows, bulls, together, and, and together the two of them would be pulling this plow behind it. Uh, it went way better having two versus just one. And oftentimes they'd have one more, slightly more experienced cow pair it up with a, a younger, and, and then they would work through the, the field. Jesus is using this illustration to say, if you will connect up with me, if you will link up with me, I will pull with you. Notice, there's still a yoke. Notice, Jesus didn't say, and my burden is non-existent. It's my burden is light. There is still a burden. There is still a yoke. It's just Jesus is saying, I will do this with you. But to do it, you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart. You have got to not just lean on your own understanding. That's like trying to pull it by yourself. Instead, lean on his. Let him pull this with you. Because as you do, the rocks will be kicked out, the weeds will be uprooted, and things will go just a little bit smoother and a little bit easier. It does not remove the problems. You just have someone in there to do them with you. But to do that requires surrender. And that's what Solomon's calling us to do. 
this past Friday, day 19, uh, Corey Badura, uh, our, our friend, who I'm assuming is at work today, bummer, Corey wrote this, uh, and this was uh, the career day, which uh, Michelle uh, referred to uh, in the open mic time, but he wrote this, surrender your plans, surrender your ego, your fears, your doubt, all of it, then do it again the next day. That's what Solomon is calling us to do. He's saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart and then do it the next day. Lean not on your own understanding and then do it the next day. In all your ways, acknowledge him and do it the next day. And if you do this day in, day out, surrendering continually, he will make your paths straighter. He'll make them a bit smoother you'll find a little more joy and you'll find yourself making less rational decisions that get you into irrational problems. Instead, you will find him doing great things in you and through you. But it requires us to surrender continually. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us these kind of people. That uh, we didn't just do this uh, 21 days as as this uh, exercise or something because the church told us to do it, but we did it to seek you to find you, to hold on to you, to know you. So God, I pray you would continue to help us to know you, to acknowledge you in all our ways. Help us, Father, to trust you, to trust you with all of our heart. Father, some of us here have experienced some hard things. There have been some things in our lives where we have sought to trust you, and you didn't come through like we thought you should. So, Lord, we admit it is hard to trust. So I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would help us to see that maybe you had a better idea, a better way, that you had a greater understanding than we did, and that perhaps we've been wrong to not trust you. So, God, would you help us today to to begin again, to put our trust fully upon you, that we would fully not just lean against you, but to absolutely lay flat and let you be the one to carry us, to be the one to heal us, to be the one to repair us, to be the one to make us more like Christ. Father, I believe that you want to do great things in this world, and your chosen instrument so often is us. So Father, I want to see you use us to help make the paths a little bit straighter for other people. So help us, Lord, to trust in you with all of our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, but rather to acknowledge you in all of our ways. So Father, through your Holy Spirit, help us to surrender continually. But Lord, I also pray for the person that is here, whether in person or online or listening to a podcast later because someone sent this to them and they've made it this far and and they would admit they don't know you like this. They know about you, but they don't know you. And yet something right now is calling them to trust you fully. So Lord, I pray that you would help them to put their faith fully in you, that they would acknowledge that you love them, that despite their sin, you want them because their sin has been paid for through Jesus 
that the, the penalty for sin was death, and yet he went to the cross to pay that penalty for us so that we could be free, we could be forgiven, and we could come into a relationship with you. Lord, would, would you just lead them right now to pray, to surrender, to, to commit their life to you? Because you, Jesus, gave your life for them. May they now give their all to you. So Lord, thank you for what you've done for us through Christ. And thank you for what you are doing now through your Holy Spirit. Help us to continue to seek after you day after day after day, knowing that as we do so, you will continue to make our paths smoother and straighter than we could ever have imagined. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.